11 o'clock comics episode 37 yes Woo-hoo. the uncharted territory dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Good to be back. Yeah, this is far, farther than bulletin, bulletin, bulletin's ever went. Oh, oh that's big. It's big, you know? That's because this time with, it's it's love. It's built with wood, not with straw. <laughs> Until Vince gets bored. No. Did you did you see that one uh, post I made in the thread? And the and the guy not knowing about you know what the deal was with bullpen bulletins in the show, mm-hmm. and and I said I just love doing shit with David Price. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Yeah, Call me crazy, but I do. I'm sure many did. I can't quit him. Sexy bastard. Hey, happy new year and welcome to 11 o'clock comics. It's not Wednesday, unfortunately, due to the holiday season messing things up, but tomorrow is new comic day, so it's kind of the same. And I'm Vince B. You know what? I, I had the day off from work today, so uh, I'm I'm living with it and enjoying awesome. it just as well. And I'm sober and I'm not cranky and I'm Chris Wow. Nisman. You are Chris Neesman. That's very cool. I'm living in a time machine. I'm David Price. And I'm Randolph Duke. Oh, absolutely not. You are the cantankerous Jason Wood, everybody. The cantankerous, very nice. <laughs> yes. So we're Merry back. Merry New Year. It is. Hey, guys, it's good, it's good to hear everyone. I yeah. missed you. Missed I mean, you guys. Seriously. How was everybody's uh, Christmases, Hanukkahs, anniversaries, and New Year's? It was, yeah. It was there? It was good. <laughs> Vince is like I survived it. <laughs> the 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 weather, the weather gods in the Midwest have apparently been reading Grant Morrison comics because they've been batshit fucking crazy. We've gone from <laughs> negative. We had over about like a four day period. We went from negative four to ice storms to sixty four degrees wow, yeah. to now we're hovering in the in the um, low to mid mid-teens. It has been yeah. absolutely crazy yeah. here. But a, the weather's been erratic like the Final Crisis shipping schedule. <laughs> Moving on. Um, in, you know, in Pennsylvania, too, two nights ago, I thought the house was going to blow down. The wind was so... Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. It was crazy. Dude, the windows were all... They're banging in the in the storm windows. were nuts. Don't talk about wind. 
You too? <laughs> I haven't had TV for a week. Oh, dude. Oh, see, yeah. I, I've been doing everything quickly. I make everybody's food fast. I take a shower quick because I don't know if the power is going to go off at any fucking moment. I'm, I just <laughs> have it's like you guys. It's like you guys live in a third world country. I don't Sometimes know. it feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> When you have direct TV in a windstorm, that's pretty much like living in uh, in Honduras. Dude, when you posted that thing, direct TV is, is the joke or something like that, <laughs> I heard Public Enemy in the background as I'm reading your post. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> direct TV okay. is a joke. Yeah, it's a god. No, I, I know that there's probably no chance that uh, that David or Vince uh, watched this on TV today, but uh, but Wood, did you uh, did you watch the hockey game at Wrigley Field? Bro, I have no TV. I haven't had any TV for a week. Yeah, well, I, you seriously have no TV? I mean, the that, windstorm knocked the dish out of alignment, and the dish is 40 feet off the ground, so I can't fix it myself. And oh, that's the nice. idiot DirecTV people were supposed to come three days ago, and my wife gets a call <laughs> at the end of when they're supposed to come saying, are you home right now, ma'am? And she says, yes, I'm waiting for you. They're like, well, we're right outside. Let us in. So my wife looks outside. Them. She's like, you're not outside of our house. Are you at the wrong house? And he's like, well, we're in Old Bridge, New Jersey. She's like, um, that's where we used to live. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so needless to say, uh, Directv is in my. Uh, is, they're they're more in my doghouse than Brian Wood is right now. Let me tell you oh, that. Here we go. So. <laughs> beat that pony. Beat it. <laughs> uh, We're gonna. I, I'm gonna disagree with you. We'll we'll do it a little bit later in the show unless unless Vince wants to get into it now. But even though we haven't done our our drinks. Oh yes, let's. You're right. Come yes, on. let's get into a drink roll call. Do it. And, and, I, and I'm assuming that Wood is is not having a uh, you know, Norwegian ale or 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 any sort of a, what's the uh, the honey beer? It's the uh, no. What did Shadow have to drink in American Gods with uh, with Wednesday? Oh crap! Jesus. Yeah. Good question. Oh crap! There's even a bar especially here. since we're all supposed to be reading it. <laughs> I, I finished it. It was awesome. Yes, it is. Well, it's a great book. Yeah, yeah, loved it. Oh gosh, the what Viking beatdown. I don't know. Whatever. I'm drinking. I'll, I'll go first this week. Uh, I, I had to walk the dogs, and I, and I asked my wife, "It's like make me a drink because I'm getting ready to do eleven o'clock." She's like, oh, "Okay." And I came back, and I've got a, a vodka a vodka tonic. Not exactly what I would normally drink on a on a very chilly Chicago winter night, but uh, I'm making do, so I'm drinking a vodka tonic. Wow, very excellent. Nice. Not bad. Come on, send it around. A wood. I am actually drinking champagne. Excellent. Nothing wrong with that. What kind of champagne? Well, a little bit of Dom P. Oh, wow. Well. Excuse us. Are you drinking out of a shoe? <laughs> no. The story is uh, a good friend of mine, when we moved into our house in Oldbridge eight years ago, we were a couple years out of college, and he brought us a bottle of Dom P as a housewarming gift. And then uh, eight years later, as you know, we just moved. So this year, he uh, he's a little bit uh, more established, shall we say, in his career. And uh, I guess as a little uh, nod to the old days, he sent us uh, a case of Dompey. So we what so did we, case? Yeah. Nice. So we have been enjoying it uh, very much over the uh, the New Year's festivities, and since uh, we had a half open bottle after serving, uh, I cooked a big brunch this morning. So we had uh, mimosas with Dom P, and uh, I kept a half bottle that no one drank, and, and <laughs> sipping it, sipping it for our, our little show tonight. Jesus, wow, you, you, you mixed the Dom with the with the orange juice, huh? We did, yes. Wow. <laughs> but we well, have apparently, a case of it. Apparently, the economy ain't hurting everybody. So. You live uh, in a totally yeah. different universe, man. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Yeah, I was. Whew. You know, I, we've got, I just said champagne. You, I didn't wasn't gonna get into it. <laughs> no, that, 
That's awesome. You know, my my wife, uh, her brother gave her a for some big momentous occasion gave her a magnum of uh, Perrier Jouet, and nice. she says that I'm never going to be good enough to drink it with her. Wow, so, yeah. her husband's never going to be good enough. Wow. <laughs> so it it sits in the wine cooler and. Ask her- uh, and- Even after episode 50? I I think that's, if there's not cause to drink it after episode 50 in what, four months from now? Yeah. Tell her, get it on ice. Okay. We'll we'll see. See. Uh, Mr. uh, Mr. Price. I am. Top wood. Uh, (laughs) No, no. Well, you'll think it came from a bathtub knowing you. I am having a gentleman Jack and Coke. Nothing wrong with that. All right, because, you know, I know how you're partial to your Kentucky, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to slum it every once in a while. That's, yeah, I have gotta, Maker's Mark downstairs. I'm saving that. There you go. Um, and Mr. B. Starting off the new year right. I am drinking a delicious bottle of Lord Chesterfield Ale. Ooh. And on deck, I got a bottle of Black and Tan. Nice. Mm-hmm. Both of which are bottled by the Yingling Brewing Company. Oh, <laughs> sounds like, sounds oh, like somebody hey. uh, got a little uh, holiday uh, mix pack. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I nice. think if if Yingling bottled piss, I'd drink it. I just I love the stuff that comes out of that brewery. I don't know. Well, maybe not piss. That would be the Yingling Yellow Snow Ale. Really, don't drink it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So there before, you go. Before we start, though, I have just one little update from mm-hmm. last week. I talked about the Ted McKeever Library from Image, and I was like not all that pleased with the format, and I didn't think it was worth the cost. Turns out, I was reading an interview on CBR with Ted McKeever. He dictated the format. That's the format he wanted the books to, to be in. So I should just shut up. If that's what, if that's what McKeever wants, then so be it. So it took Ted McKeever to get you to shut up. We'll have to remember that for well, the future. Well, you know, when when the guy who is actually doing the writing and the drawing decides what format it should be delivered in, who am I to say? Oh, I, I would... You like it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah, I would like to see them be a little bigger, but hey, the man says they will be that size and they will be that size. So there we go. That's just a little update. And one more thing before we get going. Chris, a bunch uh-huh. of episodes back, we were doing a wish list on who our favorite artists and what characters we'd like to see them draw in the future. Uh-huh. I know you don't look at the previews magazines, like the, the Marvel or the Diamond, but in this month's Marvel previews, mm-hmm. there's a an artist coming up that will be drawing Ghost Rider that I think you might be interested in. Yeah, Tony Moore. Oh, how did you know? I heard it Probably from called him and said, hey, yeah. <laughs> See, I, had a th- I thought I had a surprise, and now it's shocked. Actually, actually I didn't hear it directly, like, like person to person. Uh, Tony and Jason uh, Twittered about it. Oh, oh that's true. Yep. Oh, so well. I don't need previews. I have Twitter. <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah, Tony Moore's drawn Ghost Rider. Okay. I mean, really? That's yes. awesome. Yes, with issue 33. Awesome. And and again, another piss in the eye to the naysayers of Arthur Soydem. It's a new cover. It's not an homage cover. It's a new Arthur Soydem cover, and it's really sharp. I believe uh, issue 30, issue 30, which I just finished before we recorded tonight, that has two covers. It has a villain variant by Richard Corbin of The Orb. And I believe the Soyden covers uh, as an original non whole yeah. cover. Mm-hmm. I like even a stop clock is right twice a day. Oh, stop! It's got a a smoking redhead with with two uh, katanas. Ooh, it's nice. And there's somebody behind the woman. I'm assuming that it's the uh, Hulk from the end. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like to me. 
David. Speaking of, of redheads with katanas, I uh, I just see here on our forum it somebody mentions that we finally found out who Mutant Zero is. So that, that's interesting if that's true. Who's Mutant I don't know Zero? What mutant oh, you mean with. the Messiah baby? No, no, Avengers oh. Initiative. Oh, I don't. Read yeah, that. the the mysterious Avengers Initiative. She she first appeared in Secret War, and uh, and I guess a lot of us worried that she was either Scarlet Witch or Jean Grey. It's a Titana. Yeah, she's Volcana. Spoiler alert, apparently she's Typhoid Mary. No pretty, shit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, see, I can get into that. Yeah, me too. First first appeared in Secret Wars. War. No, no, no. Maybe the first modern appearance of Typhoid Mary. How about no, that? Mutant no, 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 Zero. Mutant Zero. As first. as the character Mutant Zero. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And it was because, a mystery yeah. of who Zero was. So see Chris and, is, is a little bit taken aback because Typhoid Mary originated in the eighties. Has of been course. around for a while. Yeah. Of course. Daredevil baby. And Ascenti was running it then. You're yeah. not kidding. Jeremy Meter Jr. and Al Williams. Okay, I got one more thing to say. Why is Roberto Ramos drawing on my book? Avengers Initiative is my one of my favorites. And he's drawing two issues messing it up. Did you see the cover? How bad Thor looks? He looks like a deformed troll. Why is he fucking up my books, man? When he's supposed to be doing runaways, what's up? Why is he messing up my shit? I don't get it. Good stuff. So what do we? I'm sorry, I derailed the the intro. I shot our momentum. Well, I mean, did other guys are talking about anything? Any gifts that were exchanged? Oh, yeah, lots. Yeah. Okay, I mean, moving on. I, I um, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Wood. I was just going to say. I mean, thanks to everybody. Uh, I, was, I feel you know. I mean, it just seems like uh, I was getting packages there every every day or two. I, I mean, I think we mentioned a few of them uh, on the last episode. Got an awesome handmade card from Pat Loika. Uh, Mike Sims, you know, sent the uh, the Jim Beam and uh, Squirt. Yep, and uh, and and I love him for doing that. It was a very thoughtful gift. So I almost feel bad discussing what I thought of the the actual taste of Jim Beam and Squirt, <laughs> but it was you not. Didn't to like my it? Li- it was not to my liking at all. Oh, no. oh I thought it was no. pretty groovy. Uh, That's not good my stuff, cup man. of tea. Not my cup of tea. But well, uh, 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 says the Dom sipper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and uh, props to um, Marcus Q. Send me a bunch of, of badass uh, 2000 AD stuff as uh, part of our little holiday gift exchange. So that was super cool. Yeah. You made out, man. Did I tell you guys what uh, what Will Pfeiffer sent me? The, you the, did. Because um, I was drunk. Um, Wait Nights at Kinko's. It's the Skitters yeah, Small Press work by Will Pfeiffer. Uh, I probably didn't tell people where they can find out more about it. Go to Will's always funny and entertaining blog uh, blogosphere page. It's uh, xrayspecs.blogspot.com, and that's uh, xrayspex.blogspot.com, and you can actually order your very own copy of Late Nights at Kinko's. And I know that Will listens every week to the show, so hi, Will. Hi, Will. What's up, Will? Hi, Will. Yeah, I got some stuff. In the gift exchange, Ding Wong sent me Ding Wog. I always, I always want to say Ding Dong, but it's not Ding Dong. <laughs> it, it's Ding Wog sent me a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to get into it because he sent a, a listener voicemail in detailing why he picked each one of the things he sent to me. <laughs> so I'll let him do that. Uh, Wicked and Imps John Colsar sent me a big old honking box 
of Wicked and Imp stuff. Nice. This thing must have weighed 10 pounds. It's, it's all just full of self-published, delicious, good comics. Um, Dan C. sent me two boxes of Crunch and Munch. <laughs> because he couldn't find Fiddle Faddle, and he sent me the Fun Home graphic novel with that. Mike Sims got me to JB in the squirt, which was I thought was delicious. It knocked me on my ass, but hey, that, that's what happens. Pat Loika, the card. And uh, did I ever tell you what, what the image was on the card? Uh, it is so awesome. I, I think he did. It's Megatron. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he's holding two, sh- two shreds of fabric in his hand, one orange, one green. And, he, and he's, he's, he's saying Aquaman, such heroic nonsense. And if you're a Transformers fan, you know that that line, not the Aquaman part, but the such heroic nonsense part, is pulled right from the Transformers movie. So Pat's a fan. He's oh, a fan. Shoot, yeah. And, and um, uh, Filthy McMonkey sent me some stuff from Canada. The, the cool, he sent me a, a DVD, a trade with uh, unbelievably explicit Japanese manga. And, um, yeah, real. Woo. Curl your toes. For you. It goes beyond that, let me tell you. And um, he knows I'm a magic player, so he sent me a bunch of magic cards, and he actually customized one of them. It's a blue counterspell called Cancel. And the mage on the card, I got to give him credit, it does look like me. And so he put real big, thick Italian unibrow eyebrow on there and a goatee, and he's screaming an, exp- an expletive mm-hmm. because his, his spell is getting doused. So, yeah. And he sent me some red blue cards. And so I think we got lots of stuff. Did I cover everybody? I think so. If I didn't, uh, I'm an ass and I'm sorry. Yeah, I've been trying, trying to remember um, everybody. And, I think I've got everybody covered over a couple of different. Cast here. And that cheap ass trades has me in a spin because I'm getting freaking packages every other day because I've been going crazy ordering stuff from cheap ass trades. <laughs> so, is it really better doing that even after the shipping on stuff? I am in love with it. I've placed three orders in the last two weeks. It's uh, and, and the only the only you know, little, you know the only bad thing is you got to get them one by one, which sucks. Yeah. Because some days you'll get like two packages, you know, and from the same seller. Yeah, what what, what what kind of what what stuff have you ordered? Because I've looked through it, and it seems like it's one of those sites that is that is cool if you have the time to really dedicate searching stuff out. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's not real intuitive to find stuff. It's it's well. Here's like. the thing, uh, Jeff, the creator, he he's been populating his own graphic novel database for some time. So yeah. I agree. When I first checked it out. Just based on looking at at some of the things in the like he you can search for things that are at least seventy five percent discounted things that are a penny you know pay, it, there, there's certain you know screens you can do and just from looking at that there are stuff that I ordered but then if you want to start really searching for things you explicitly want to buy and just want to find the cheapest price like a price grabber I agree there was a bunch of stuff um, trades a lot of image a lot of indie stuff that wasn't coming up in the search. And that's because he's using his own database that he's been self-populating. So we've been going back and forth, and he's talking about adding uh, kind of like a comic book DB thing where he'll have people that, that if they want to, can start putting their own you know, other trades into the database. But as of, I guess, yesterday, he posted in the forum on the thread that's talking about cheap-ass trades. Now you can plug in any ISBN number, which not only for trades now, but for any book, anything that has an ISBN number, you can just plug the number into it, and it will do the retrieval for you and do a price grabber. Um, so that is really cool, and, and it's really solved a lot of those problems you're talking about. So 
I guess yeah. if people aren't sure how to get ISBNs, I mean, I've just been going to Amazon. So go yeah. on Amazon, find the book you're looking for, copy paste the ISBN and cheap ass trades, and it's been pulling up cheap ass trades. But uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the things. As I as I buy stuff, I basically have three different places that I buy books from. I either mm-hmm. buy from from Dark Tower. Uh, actually, I guess I should say four because I uh, I have been buying a little bit from Challengers, uh, the other the other shop I go to here in in Chicago. But other than that, it's Amazon and InStockTrades.com, and I do Amazon because I'm a I'm a a Prime member, so I don't have to pay yeah. for shipping, and it's two day shipping on stuff. But at InStock, I can still get better deals there than Amazon sometimes, and I usually wait for InStock until I get enough to get that fifty dollar order. Sure. And and so I put that, um, you know, I'll, I'll, but those those are the ones I use, and it, it seems like going to the the cheap ass trades that it was going to be hard to you know to save that much to you know be sure that you're getting a decent quality trade or whatnot. I don't know. I'll try it out. But you guys you guys seem to like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, just the the uh, second order I placed. I also put this in the in the form just talking about the including shipping. When you you can set your preferences to include shipping and handling, so it, it's great because it'll show you what what the Amazon price would be without shipping if you're Prime, and it mm-hmm. would show you what the other prices are, so you can compare and contrast. And, and I agree, sometimes the Amazon or in stock are the cheapest. But I bought JSA Volume Two: Darkness Falls, the second volume of Mouse and Wanted, and the cover prices for those were fifty four eighty nine, um, and that's you know plus whatever shipping would have been. The price I paid, including shipping, for from three different sellers was twenty seven bucks. So I saved forty nine and a half percent on those three trades, which is crazy. I mean, you can't, you know, even in stock, which I order from all the time, is thirty seven percent off, even if you don't pay shipping. So, you know, I mean, if if you're, some things you're not going to find, but if you if you're willing to sort of kind of, you know, just get a, a wish list and 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 uh, and be a little opportunistic, you can you can find some great stuff on there. I, I was doing a search for. That one Transformers volume that was out of print and it did not come up on cheap ass trades, but on Amazon it did come up used. So there, he had, he how still much? had, he, uh, I got it for like eight bucks. Oh, okay. Usually yeah, no. I, I, when out of print stuff comes up on Amazon, you can just <laughs> bend over and get ready to take oh, it. Oh, right. You're right. Exactly. But for some reason, it's been even uh, used dealers haven't had it for a while, and then all of a sudden six or seven of them had it. So maybe the competition dictated the price. I don't know, but it was like mm-hmm. eight bucks. And with the you shipping, remember, uh, it came out to the, less than cover. The Walking Dead, the the deluxe hardcover, the one that was like the first what twenty four issues in the um, the uh, the slipcase. You guys mm-hmm. remember that? You, <laughs> look at what that goes for in the Amazon marketplace one of these days. How about some of the Marvel Masterworks? Those things are friggin' out of yeah. outrageous what they go yeah. for. Sure. It is crazy. Let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about some comics here. I'm sure we had some a lot of time to be reading stuff. No kidding. Yeah, what'd you read? Dude, I read a lot of stuff, man. I feel like I've been reading nonstop, which has been fun. I, I, let's start with, with something that I love and, and I've been you guys have been praising it for a long time and I finally got a chance, which was All Star Superman. Mm. Uh, I got the first the first hardcover as as a, a gift for uh, the holidays and uh, man, I, I mean, talk about living up to the hype. You know, sometimes things fall victim to hype. I mean, certainly for me, whether it be a movie or a book or a comic, you, know, you go in. There's so much praise for something, it almost is damned before you start it, just because it can't possibly meet meet up with right. the, the expectations. But in this case, 
Um, and you guys know I've, I've, I've not been kind over the years to, to Frank Quitely. He's not usually my cup of tea, but the incessant praise for this book and, uh, and from a lot of different types of readers said, you know, let me try it out, and you guys all praised it. And, uh, boy, it was fantastic. I mean, I don't even know that I can do it justice and to say that it probably it, it's probably the best mainstream superhero-y type book I've read this year. Well, it's 2009 now, but, but in the last year or two. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. I can't wait to read the second half of the series. I, it, you know, I just, uh, I, 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 the the way he portrays Superman is uh, now. I don't have a lot of experience reading Superman, so I'm not, you know, I'm not beholden to the burn run and the reboot and all that. Doesn't mean much to me. But but this was a Superman that I could read, you know, a ton of. I mean, uh, just not just simply, you know, strong for the sake of it, but a guy that's you know brilliant and uh, creative, and you know, it was Morrison. At a level where you know Morrison's he 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 was he was able to be creative, but not to the point where you get those people complaining that they have to dig too deep to get the point. I mean, it was you know Morrison having fun and, and with a character that we all know know and and, uh, and he made him fresh and new. So uh, man, I, I just I love the goddamn thing. And Frank Quietly has uh, I've 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 definitely sold him short because I, yeah. I after reading that and then thinking about what we've had to deal with with Batman R.I.P. and to a lesser extent some of the artwork in Final Crisis, it's clear to me that Quietly is a guy that that's perfectly paired with a guy like Morrison because he can take that whimsy yep. and that creativity and put it on the page. Which guys like Tony Daniel, no disrespect to him as a draftsman, he he's not. He, I think something got lost in the translation there. You know. You betcha. Yep. Quietly is a guy that I, I think pairs very well with with Morrison. But you know, talking about the the Superman and and you know that not being that familiar with the character, I haven't read Superman you know ongoing for you know my entire life. I know that I know that Vince will probably be able to to chime in on this and, and David as well. But you know what I had you know heard about All Star Superman. And I kind of have gone back and checked it out a little bit. Is that Morrison really pulls on a lot of the uh, the Mort Weisinger era yeah. and really on kind of the the early Superman stuff that uh, you know really the what late Golden Age and early Silver Age of Superman and and takes a lot of those concepts and and some of the fun stuff and and modernizes it like you know like Morrison can. So yeah, yeah I, th- I think it was really a lot of a lot of throwback stuff. Well, he took all that Silver Age wackiness and mm-hmm. made it plausible. He 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 took that that fun loving, good natured kind of gosh golly, isn't this really weird Superman type story and gave it a an actual believability that the originals I think kind of lacked. Like it was just strange for the sake of strange in the beginning. Right. But Morrison kind of says, "Well, this is why it's strange, and this is how it works." So, uh, to me, anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll give we'll give Lois my my powers for a day. Here yeah. you go. <laughs> it's interesting, don't you think, to compare what he did in that book, which I think it's, as I understand it, really isn't considered to be in continuity, if you will. But still, it's. But then compare that to what he's doing on R.I.P. or his previous issues of Batman, right? I mean, he he's trying to do the same thing in Batman, pay homage to times past, and yet mm-hmm. it seems like there's a lot of criticism of that, and yet it's the same writer with the same kind of iconic character, and it's almost like he's trying to do the same thing. So what's different? Well, the artwork is different. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that's, in fact, the failing, right? And that's why people look at Zurinar and some of the stuff that went in R.I.P. and just think it's wacky and they can't follow it, versus in All-Star it was pretty clear what he was trying to do and people didn't really burden themselves with Oh well, that's you know crazy stuff. You know what I mean? There is such there is such a lightheartedness to All Star Superman that is just 
And there's you know, there, there some grim stuff in there, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, volume two, definitely. Yeah, but overall, it has such a fun, super heroic feel to it that mm. R.I.P. doesn't have. I mean, uh, Batman R.I.P. is a... Uh, was there really one moment in that series where you, like, felt triumphant or just kind of like, you know, giggly happy about, you know, something that was said, or, you know, there there really wasn't that much. I mean, it was very dark in comparison to All-Star Superman, and I think it's that, that fun embracing of the Silver Age that, that could, makes that book so fun. Mm-hmm. Could well, you argue, though, that that's the root of each character, though? Right, I was just going to say that. Yeah, he wrote, Morrison wrote the stories in accord with the, the mystique of the characters. Mm-hmm. You don't. You wouldn't want uh, a Batman story to be have a little ray of sunshine. That's not who he is, or is yeah. maybe that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. It's he's still a hopeful character, obsessive yeah. and dark, but hopeful. I, I I can see that. There wasn't much hope in in R.I.P. Still isn't much hope. In. <laughs> well, well, according to uh, Morrison, it's the last Batman story, right next to the episode in Final Crisis. I mean, they call it R.I.P. Yeah, we'll so, see. I don't know. We, right. Well, I'm sure Bruce will be back in some way or other. But I do have a little segue that also involves Superman, and it it uh, hinges on something you both said. I haven't read a whole lot of Superman, but mm-hmm. I have the the perfect book for you to get into Superman. Okay. Because because it is exemplifies everything that's great about the character, mm-hmm. the the whole larger than life cosmic Superman mechanic and all his villains it's our world's at war have you ever read that have not no okay in terms of crossovers and events i'd have to say our world's at war ranks up there really high with my favorite events and it also is one of my favorite superman stories it's just so big listen to the creators that are involved in this thing it's called uh superman our world's at war the complete collection they took the two previously published Our Worlds at War volumes and smashed them together into one big honking 492-page tome. But mm-hmm. do do not believe the title because it is not the complete Our Worlds at War. They left a nice chunk of, of books out, mostly the Batman books. They took the JSA special out, which boggles my mind. And I'll get into that in a, in a little bit. But listen to the guys who worked on this. It's crazy. Writers, Jeff Loeb, Joe Casey, Mark Schultz, Joe Kelly, Peter David, Phil Jimenez, and Todd DeZago. On the art side, you have Phil Jimenez, Mike Waringo, Doug Mankey, Ed McGinnis, Pascal Ferry, Carlo Barbieri, Cano, Todd Nock, Mark Buckingham, Duncan Rouleau, uh, Vel Goucher, is that how you pronounce his name? Sure. Okay. Sure. Bill Sienkiewicz, Ron, Ron Garney, and Leonard Kirk. And on the Inker side, I'm not going to go through the whole list, sorry, David, but you got <laughs> Dexter Vine, Sienkiewicz, Walden Wong, Cam Smith, who I think inks McGinnis the best, Cam Smith, Jose Marzon Jr. It, this book is incredible. Just, I mean, even if you don't read the story and just look at the pretty pictures, the art is just phenomenal. Ed McGinnis, I think, is one of the best Superman artists ever, only because he kind of makes the character what he should be, and then this is this godlike being. You're just in awe when you see uh, an Ed McGinnis Superman. The guy's this hulking form, but he has this humanity to him. That's what I think Superman is. He, he's bordering on God, but he's, he has two feet in the, in the human world, too. But anyway. No, when did it come out? I mean, was it, is it relatively 
Uh, um, 10 years, maybe? 2001? Really? Okay. Yeah, so 2001, not, 2002. No, so then, so, okay, so not, not quite 10 years. Maybe, maybe the trades are 2001, 2002, but it, it's really, in, in terms of continuity, you could date this thing by Young Justice and the uh, Linda Danvers Supergirl. So whenever they were around, I mean, I, I'm guessing bordering on the, the turn of the century, maybe, around there. Mm-hmm. But it starts off small. Superman's tooling through space with uh, in radio contact with Professor Hamilton. You remember Professor Hamilton? Anybody? Mm-hmm. The traitor bastard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're looking for Pluto because Hamilton thinks he's got a, a bead on where the planet is. He, he lost contact with it and whatever. So Superman's flying through space and he says, yo, Hamilton, I think I see Pluto. Uh, it's not Pluto, but it's War World. And it just keeps building from there. These little tiny, seemingly isolated incidents pop up. Superman gets attacked on Warworld by the Fatal Five. The the typical Jeff Loeb trick, that sleight of hand that he uses by throwing a ton of characters at you in the initial part of one of his stories to kind of divert your attention from what's really going on. So, I mean, it starts on Warworld. Then on Earth, Lex Luthor's daughter come, makes an appearance. Do you remember Lena Luthor? No? Well, you guys aren't Superman readers, so David, do you remember Lena Luthor? Luthor gave her up way back to uh, Brainiac 13 in exchange for the secrets of his technology. Okay. Uh, No, no. I mean, no, I'm I'm trying to... This is probably shortly after I I stopped following Superman hardcore. So there's a bunch of little things popping up. Superman goes up against a newly reformed Suicide Squad, but it's not any any characters you would think. It's run by Manchester Black, mm-hmm. and you have Chemo, Plasma, Shrapnel, and eventually the big bad dog of the DCU, and I'll save that for later, but Superman, along with about two million other Metropolis residents, are taken away in their sleep by Zeta Beam technology. And whenever you hear Zeta Beam, who do you think of? Adam Strange. Right, Adam Strange. This coalition of alien forces... Adam Strange, Maxima, one-time betrothed of Superman. She wanted to jump his bone so bad. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, Starfire, Massacre, Darkseid Sun, Graven, and Mongol. Not the dude Mongol, the female Mongol. Uh, G-A-L at the end. Mongol, yeah. So all these alien races have banded together because, as Maxima warned Superman, Imperiax is coming. And Superman's like, I beat him not too long ago. And Maxima tells him that, uh, unfortunately, you only beat a probe of Imperiax. You have not Uh beaten Imperiax. So while they're talking, Apocalypse boom tubes into orbit around the Earth. And Darkseid reluctantly offers his support in the coming battle. He calls Imperiax the endpoint, the null. Like if you're a Marvel fan, just think Galactus. Okay. Imperiax is kind of similar to Galactus in a way because, as we all know, Galactus feeds on planets. Well, Imperiax is this force of nature that kind of dissolves galaxies and mm-hmm. uses the energy to transform. He's, a, he's the cosmic reset button. He'll use the energy uh, derived from dissolving this galaxy and spit it back out in a new form. He, he's the, he's the, the reset button. So w- while all this is going on, Anyone remember the Ru- Gen- uh, David, the Russian General Zod? You remember him? Yes. He's in this too. I mean, there's so many characters in this. Sergeant Rock is in this thing, who <laughs> who is now a general in command of the Earth's armies. Uh, Young Justice is in it. Uh, the Amazons play a huge part in this thing. The Black Racer from the the New Gods books. The JSA are in it. The Guardian. 
Jim Harper pops up, Crypto Superboy, uh, like I said, the Linda Danvers Supergirls in it, and the, probably the main reason you should read this thing, Doomsday shows up. There you go. Not as a villain, because this Imperiax is the threat is so dire. That's where the Suicide Squad comes in. Manchester Black does his little mind thing on Doomsday, and instead of Doomsday having a mad on for anything Superman, he's got a mad on for anything Imperiax. So Superman and Doomsday fight together against Imperiax, drawn by by Mike Waringo. Mm. It's it's unbelievable. This story is so big. If Fitz actually has an erection. <laughs> I do. You should see it. It's all red. Um, He's rubbing himself inappropriately right now. <laughs> so, you know, back to Empirix. Um, he has these probes and these devices called hollowers that he'll batter the planet with these things. And what they do is they drill down into the surface and then start converting the planet to energy. So... This huge battle goes on. The the denizens of Apocalypse are helping out, Darkseid, and it gets to the point where Aquaman is fighting one of Imperiax's probes, which take the form of this Kirby-esque armored characters. It's got the you know the Kirby circles and lines that he used so well. It, it you would think that the man Kirby himself designed the Imperiax armor. So Aquaman and this probe are going at it, and Aquaman pierces the shell of the probe, and it explodes killing aquaman that's right yeah so there the story has tons of sacrifice in it uh, this uh, is the uh, arthur curry death yes. okay. mm -hmm. the amazons make the ultimate sacrifice and superman devises a plan with sharon vance the strange visitor the energy the blue energy superman costume that he wore this is the female version of it she helps him and what the what the deal was was apocalypse and dark side were supposed to use boom tubes to take all that energy that would resulted in Imperiax being blown to to bits and siphon it off and spit it out in other parts of the the universe through the boom tubes before they do that Warworld pops in and Brainiac 13 takes all the energy for himself and that's where the story gets even bigger you got to read this thing <laughs> it's freaking incredible it involves everybody the bat yeah. books the flash what? What's the name of the of the collection that that kind of has everything there? What or almost? It's called everything? Superman: Our Worlds at War. It's a four hundred and ninety-two page monster, Good retailing work. for twenty-four ninety-nine. That's not bad. No, I got it used, so I paid significantly less, and it's it's in perfect condition. Okay. You can't even tell it's used, but. Um, I I didn't really have all that much respect for Phil Jimenez. But the guy is mm. is is just insane. Same school as as George Perez. But man, there is stuff going on in in every little corner of his panels, and he wrote the stories too. And his yeah, that's what that's what kind of got my attention is that Jimenez was a writer on that. I didn't and know his wrote. yeah, and his his uh, chapters naturally take place in the Wonder Woman comic. And I'll tell you, if they left those out, you would be missing a big chunk of the picture. Because the Amazonian contribution is pretty crucial to the story. and But I will say there's one thing missing from this book, and it's pretty damn important. The JSA destroy Imperiax's uh, command ship mm -hmm. in, in their JSA Our Wars, Worlds at War special, and it's not included in this for whatever reason. I have no idea why they wouldn't. But because they destroyed the command ship, Imperiax couldn't make any more probes, so he had to use what he had, and which was dwindling because all the heroes were taking them out. And that's 
pretty major. It's a turning point in the battle, and it's not in the book. So, I mean, that's one caveat for this collection. It doesn't have everything. It does have the Young Justice issues, which I'm like, why would you put those in and leave out the JSA chapter? I have no idea. <laughs> but whatever. It's it's essential reading. Well, Todd Knock leaves some love, too. Oh, yeah. Knock is great. It's just, you know, what would you rather see? The JSA taking out a starship or Young Lobo running around on Apocalypse? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how, you know, it ties into the whole... 52 appearances, I guess. Right. And this collection is especially timely with what's going on in the Superman books right now with Lois Lane's father coming back and how the Earth is now the linchpin of the multiverse. It started way back with this. There's a reason why they're trying to protect the Earth at all costs is because if Imperiax or Brainiac 13 destroy the Earth, it's the hinge on which the multiverse rests. So if Earth goes, the multiverse goes. And that's that I think that started in this series. Yeah, it's awesome. You gotta read it. Fantastic book. Parademons running all over the place and Hey guys, this is Mark Salazar, Ding Wog on the forums. I uh, just wanted to call and wish you guys all a Merry Christmas. Uh, I also happen to be Vince's secret Santa, so I wanted to go through and just give you some of my line of thinking as to what I uh, actually sent him for his secret Santa gift. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Jefferson. He sent me a box of postcards. They're vintage Marvel postcards. They're awesome, so thank you, Jefferson. I love them. Uh, now, for my presents, I actually sent... Uh, Vince, uh, a few comics. Um, I know he likes the women, so I sent him a, a couple copies of Miss Marvel and some Spider-Man tales, uh, just something he might have missed throughout the year. Uh, I also remember him mentioning some Transformers crossover, so I sent him a couple issues of the uh, Transformers New Avengers crossover. Um, as far as the trades go, one of my favorite groups is the Young Avengers, so uh, I sent uh, along also a little trade, the first trade of the Young Avengers and Runaways for the Civil War. Um, you have one more trade in there. No, actually a couple more trades, but uh, one of the ones that I'm mentioning is the Ultimates one. I don't like the Ultimates universe. Uh, more old school. I don't want to get into another continuity, so I figured you'd give it a try and see if you like it yourself. And finally, I put in there a uh, couple of Green Lantern trades. They're the first two trades from Jeff John's current run. Uh, it's a series that I love, and the only reason I put them in there is because I am repurchasing them in hardcover. Uh, hope you enjoy it, and uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Love your camp podcast, and we're listening to you guys for another year. <laughs> um, I got a question for for um, one for uh, one for Wood and one for Vince. First of all, Vince, you're Mr. Kirby guy. Have you seen that um, that DC is going to do uh, an omnibus like they have with the uh, the Fourth World and the OMAC and Demon stuff with uh, Jack Kirby's Losers? You betcha! Mm-hmm. Can't wait. I'm on it. Can't wait. And uh, Wood, uh, you said that you got uh, the JS the second JSA volume from uh, from your uh, um, cheap ass <clears throat> trades. I'm about six trades into the JSA stuff. How are you liking it? Uh, well, I mean, I only read the first one, uh, but it was terrific. Um, but I've been meaning to go back and, I mean, I love the current JSA, and I certainly uh, have uh, plenty of love for Mr. Johns and uh, certainly uh, plenty of love for James Robinson. So it's it's been on my list of, of things to go back and do it. Uh, and uh, just cheap-ass trades had, <clears throat> had the second trade, I think, for, for two bucks. 
Huh. So I, yeah, I couldn't pass that up. And but now that I've I've ordered that, I think I'm just going to go ahead and start bar- barreling through them because I suspect I'll, I'll I'll love it start to finish. There, I, I finished uh, Stealing Thunder today, which was the uh, the uh, Johnny Thunder, Joaquin Thunder um, story that uh, yeah. where the ultra humanite steals the thunderbolt. It was mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Very cool stuff. You know, you you were talking about fables. I think JSA, that incarnation of the JSA book, is kind of like fables. For me, it doesn't kick in until the return of Hawkman. Yep. That, every, that trade on, it's just perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. It it well, it, t- it took about you know, it's what was it? Dark was Darkness Falls. Was that the third one? With uh, no, that's the second one. That's okay. That's the se- is is return of Hawkman the, the third one. one. That's yeah. Yeah, Vince is right. That's really when it it's like, okay, yeah, this is the JSA. And mm-hmm. they kind of got through their, their initial growing pains. But yeah, I've just been on a on a huge JSA kick. That and uh um something that will make Vince happy. And Brandon, who's uh, a listener to, to this show and, and drops by the AC recordings quite a bit. People have been trying to get me to read the manga and um Brandon dropped by um Two volumes of Appleseed, which I've, I've been kind of just kind of flipping through, and it looks pretty cool. But I was at Dark Tower last week, two weeks ago, and going through Mark's dollar bins, and I got six of the the pocket size volumes of Lone Wolf and Cub for a dollar oh. a piece. Wow! So yes. Yeah. Cool, yes. man. Yeah, I, I got six of them for a dollar a piece. Now I have to get the other twenty-two at whatever discounted rate I can uh, <laughs> from from wherever else because there's twenty-eight volumes. But I got like twelve, uh, fourteen, sixteen, seventeen, like twenty-four and twenty-five. So they're kind of spread out. So I've got I got the first two volumes of Lone Wolf and Cub ordered. So I should I should read those this weekend. So that's my little manga concession. I, I love old Dark Horse books. <laughs> you don't really have to read those in order. I mean, yeah, the story spreads from the first to the last, but because they're wanderers all over the place, you can kind of cherry pick different points and they would still be uh, coherent stories within that volume. Okay. You, you, won't, you won't get the, 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 the arcing storyline, but you'll get little events, and I, I think they're almost like done in one volumes, really. Cool. Yeah, good stuff. Did Frank Miller only do the cover to the first one, or did he do covers for the first few when the series was first published under Dark Horse, when they acquired their uh, rights to it? I think he did I th- quite a few. I think they all did a year. It was uh, Miller did a year, then was it Matt Wagner, and then Sinkevich, uh, or was it Sinkevich and then Matt Wagner? I don't know. Wagner was on there early on. Okay, I just I didn't know, because I remember... I remember some images that Miller did for the book, and I wasn't sure if they were all for covers or if it was just promotional material. I'm in the process of of rearranging the second bedroom. We're moving crap around, trying to um, give it some more flow, and, and uh, picked up a bookcase, and I put that together, and I started to condense all my collected editions, all my trays, my hardcovers. They're on a shelf. They're on a few shelves, and I'm moving my single issues over. And as I'm going through all these old boxes, I'm finding... I found... Um, I don't know which week it was. It, which, it was whichever week Barbed Wire was in for Comics Greatest World, but I found like those old Dark Horse <laughs> Heroes books and, and just you know, a whole bunch of good fun stuff, some old Valiant, some old, uh, of course, my Milestone books, things like that. I found an old issue of... Comics Journal, 
This is number 75 from September 1982. That's way back. It goes way back. And I'm laughing my ass off as I pick up my jaw because there's a uh, there's an interview that Gary Groth conducts, more or less. It it was basically a panel at a uh, at a convention and it's uh, it's titled John Byrne <laughs> Someone got stubble. <laughs> it's titled John Byrne Agrees and Disagrees with Jan Stranded, Gary Groth, and Kerry Gamble. And I come to one section in this interview where Groth and Byrne are discussing all these people that left Marvel, like Len Wayne, like Marv Wolfman, like Gene Colan, Gil Kane, and um, and because of what Shooter wouldn't let these people get away with. And and I, I chuckle because there's there's one section where Byrne says, these people left because, and apparently I guess Byrne was the biggest Jim Shooter advocate that ever walked the earth back in the early 80s, because Shooter wouldn't let them get away with murder is what it comes down to. Shooter wouldn't let Gene Colan do the kind of crap that he's been doing for the last, you know, banana feet, duck hands that he's been giving us for the last five years. Wow. Shooter, Dick. Shooter Dick. let him <laughs> do that. So he went to D.C. where they said, sure, come and do garbage. We'll pay you for it. <laughs> so then Groth, Groth cuts. Oh, wait, it gets, should it, see, I wish I read this before you guys interviewed him on AC, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Then goes on to say, I don't, I don't know if that quite cuts it. First of all, Colin's crap is better than Wynn Mortimer's. Burns says, no, it's not. I've heard that argument so many times. Groth goes on to say, and John Bushima has been doing crap for years, and he allows that. Oh, double dick. So Burns says, John Bushima <laughs> does crap that you can understand. It's readable crap. You look at Gene Colan's stuff, and 90% of the time, you can't tell what's going on in the picture. I love this fucking interview. This is you know I don't know what's worse Gary Groth calling uh, Colin crap or or uh, no I'm sorry I don't know if John Byrne calling Colin crap Colin crap or (laughs) Colin crap or friggin Groth having the audacity to say Basima's crap it's just not I'm numb both blowhards. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, but at least at, at least Carrie Gamble talks some sense because he goes on to say that he's an admirer of Gene Colan. I mean, it's just the, the stuff in Gene here. Abby. I just, I, I, yeah, I know. This is why I throw nothing it, away. It's, it's, fun, it's funny hearing that from a, what, 1982 version yes. of John Byrne talking about, yeah. you know, a guy like Gene Colan later in his career, maybe mm. not exactly at the top of his game. And now we have seen what has happened with Byrne later in his career that uh, it's it's kind of, you know, hello, pot, this is Kettle. Yeah, I, it's just... Thank uh, you, Star Trek. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I can't... The interview also talks about how, I guess, Byrne and Frank Miller are kind of the the golden boys. They can do no wrong. And, and you know, they also talk about Jim Shooter as a writer, whether he's good or bad, and as, as an editor, and whether that's good or bad. And it's it's just... I I love the behind the scenes stuff. I I yeah. really you know comics journal. Of course, you're going to get things like this in old issues. I don't know about today, but in old issues of comics journal. But I also loved Amazing Heroes, which really didn't get into the dirty side of things. But mm, it right. uh, you know I'll be pulling out old stuff for many many out. weeks to come. I'll be pulling out every day, baby. <laughs> but you know I'll be pulling out. I'll, I'll be pulling out. Thank you. I'll uh, I'll just be. Uh, I'll try to find something else for next week. I just I love this shit. I might scan I, this in. I like the part where um, his reasons for Win Mortimer not being better. No, it's not. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> that's it. Thanks, John. <laughs> Could you you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah. No, it's not. He's a trip. It's not. He's a trip. You know, I want Wood to read this Our World's at War thing so bad. I just have to give you one warning. I'm sorry, okay. I forgot to mention this before. Jeff mm-hmm. Loeb writes a bunch of issues. I see that. I'm looking at and, it right now on, on cheap reads. Yeah, there are a few ham-fisted thuds because of him. Okay. He brackets some of the issues he writes with Gettysburg Address mm-hmm. and Roosevelt's Pearl Harbor speech. Mm-hmm. And JFK's like he'll he'll actually put the bulk of the speech he'll inter in, intersperse it with what's going on in the panels. Just don't read that part, and it's actually pretty good. You know, why sure. would you do that to equate, uh, you know, uh, the struggles of real life with what's going on in the comic? I understand why he sure. did it, but it just falls flat. Just ignore those those that part, and you'll love it because it's mm-hmm. just a whopping great Superman tale. Okay, well, sorry. Vince, you uh, you alluded to um, to fables and, and made the the JSA connection. I'm surprised you didn't then segue into the news of the of the of the week, which is that yeah the man re- the, the the men replacing uh, the irreplaceable Jeff Johns on JSA are none other than Matthew Sturgis and Bill William, who of course are writing fables and Jack of Fables and House of Mystery together. And I really wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it because. You guys know how I feel about fables, and I think we all have been really enjoying House of Mystery. And yet, this news—it seems like this fallen. It seems like a lot of people are taking this news in a very bad way, and I'm shocked at I'm, why? I'm, why? 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 Why would anyone take that as bad? What are people saying? And not that I give two yeah, fucking yeah. shits, well, uh, I mean, but what right. most people a lot of people, including some people that I generally think, you know, I, I. I think their opinions on comics are generally pretty good. Um, I guess that are a little bit more heavy in the DC history think that that uh, I guess that Willingham they, they don't like what Willingham has done in the DC universe before. I guess a lot of people have been citing um, and I didn't read it. I guess he did some some what was it Batman stories. I, I haven't read them, so I don't I can't speak to them. But I, I wanted to ask you guys: A have you have you read uh, Willingham's mainstream DC stuff before? And if so, did you not like it? And Two, I'm personally really excited for for this because I, I I've been loving House of Mystery. You guys know I think Fables is the best book, so I, I'm really interested to see what these guys have plans for this book. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, and I'll tell you what, Bill Willingham has done a pretty good team book before and Elementals. Oh, Elementals. <laughs> okay. So. But in in the defense of the naysayers, that was his own mythology that he created with those characters. Yeah. Now he's got yeah. he's got to try and make something work that he hasn't created. But uh, he hasn't created the storybook uh, characters either. And look what he did exactly. with those. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I can't see anything but good coming out of this. Yeah, but the, but the, would also say I mean it's not just Willingham. It's it's also Matthew Sturgis and I think that is, you know, quietly become one of the one of the best writing teams mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. I love the stuff and you know, aren't there some really good team writers out there with you know Abnett and Lanning and say that. Willingham and and Sturgis and Palmiotti and Gray and uh, you know had Rucka and, and Troutman on on Checkmate. A Brubaker, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the yeah, Brubaker Fraction, and then um, um, wasn't Fraction doing that now? Isn't he um, partnering? Well, it was Fraction and, and Remender. And Remender, yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget Bendis and Hickman coming up. 
Well, I was talking about the good ones. Uh, <laughs> zing, zing! Half of that team is half of that team is good. So, uh, but that you have on. to admit, on on House of Mystery, Sturgis and Willingham are really simpatico. I mean, they blend oh, really yeah. nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that well, that's really turned in Sturgis's book. I don't know. I don't even know if Willingham is is co-writing that anymore. Uh, maybe the, yeah, I haven't noticed. Maybe the last few issues, which I guess is a credit to Sturgis because. You may be right, and I just haven't noticed the, the switch I th- at all. I think I think Sturgis is writing the the major overlapping the the main story. I think Willingham may be writing some of the um, the anthology stories in the middle, but I think Sturgis has kind of taken that book over, which is kind of cool. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a no. I got I've got no problem with them yeah. taking over JSA. Think about how long Jeff Johns was writing JSA. Well, I think that's kind of the problem, right? I mean, I think that's why a lot of the complaints, I think, are more born out of people don't want Johns to leave. And I get that because uh, he's done such a great job. So I, I don't know that anyone could have replaced Johns and gotten a great uh, response from the, you know, from the, the forum communities. But I guess I was just surprised. You always expect some people to say, oh, that sucks. But I was surprised, you know, like, I mean, one guy that we all, you know, Peter Rios, you know, from Comic Geek Speak, I mean, he's as hardcore DC as I know. And he usually strikes me as a guy that's willing to give a book a chance, particularly a DC book. And I think he was one of the first guys I saw. He popped in and he said, well, that's a book I'll be dropping right away. And that just shocked me. Get out of here. Yeah, I figured he would at least give it a try. And his response was, I've never read anything of of Willingham's in the DC universe that I liked at all. What about Shadow Pact? I guess he didn't like it. I mean, well, Shadow, pa- Shadow Pact has to be better than uh, DCU decisions. So, I mean, I, I and I know people like enjoy no. Shadow Pact, so I didn't think DCU decisions was that bad. That was that was a gimmick book. I mean, I don't yeah. even count that as as existing. That's it that's was a paycheck. Um, if that could enable yeah. him to write more fables, then yeah. hey, yeah, what let's a, have what decisions a, too. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, uh, who, who? Okay, who would you pick? But besides That'd James be a tricky Robinson, thing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. what James Robinson uh, get Goyer back to to write it? <laughs> Straczynski, I mean, Roy please. Thomas, nah, nah. Wade. I mean, Wade. You know, anything that Wade writes is is good. Um, how how about Roy Thomas? No, hey, you know, I don't know Busy. how well Roy Thomas writes um, contemporary comics. Contemporary comics, yeah, it's. You know, he obviously loves continuity and has a great understanding. He has written some of the greatest stories ever. I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know I haven't even read, like, his Marvel Illustrated stuff um, to see how, how well it holds up. And, you know, I don't know. But, like, you know, Straczynski would be neat. But I'm looking forward just um, to JMS's uh, work on Brave and the Bold. I mean, who who does follow Jeff Johns? I mean, he the JSA has been him. It's like who follows Jeff Johns on the Flash? Well, apparently nobody very well. Oh, mm-hmm. don't so. be pooping on that. What? No, it, I mean, no, no one, no one, that no, bad. well, no one has picked up the mantle of the Flash and and really, you know, ran with it so much so. So much so they're having Johns come back to do it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. no one's been able to make that their their own book. I mean, you look at Johns and see he, he can't re- he can't write everything, folks. Yeah. He's doing he's doing you know, Green Lantern, JSA is coming back to Secret the Origins of Superman. Yeah, I mean he's he's you know is he still going to be doing action? No, he's leaving action. Ruck is taking over, but it's and even yeah. that's been all shuffled about between. 
you know what what they originally were saying was going to be to be the the main story point or plot of of the book has already been changed and i don't know if you know if ruck is going to be doing anything with nightwing and flame bird and I, getting back oh, yeah. to Roy thomas real quick i just have to guess tom would know but i i, I don't even know if Roy would want the book these days. He might have said goodbye to these characters when he did the one shot with mm-hmm. David Ross, the last days of the JSA, which I thought the last actually the last days of the Justice Society of America, which I thought I thought was great with the endless loop and Ragnarok and things like that. But I, so I don't know if I want to see him today write a Justice mm-hmm. Society story. But you know, well, a, a guy that hasn't written in quite a while that uh, uh, very very connected to Roy Thomas. Did you guys read uh, Denny O'Neill's new new Batman stuff? Uh, that came out tomorrow. That, yeah, that comes out tomorrow. I think. Yeah. The first one, the first Detective issue is already out, though. Yeah, I think that was the last issue of Detective. Was the was Denny O'Neill? The one with Robin or Nightwing on the front of it? Yeah. Let's see. I think you're right. Yes, it is. He's right. Or something like that make me Guillaume think i was crazy march Guillaume march yeah okay. yeah i wasn't thrilled with the art i didn't i didn't read it yet though it was wow it was good denny <laughs> still right so i don't know maybe roy thomas could write a, a modern superhero comic that'd be fine you know what it, it would how it would work for me if Den- if um roy thomas i would i would really like him to try and write in the same manner he wrote the all-star squadron because i think <laughs> comics today would would benefit from that breath of fresh air Mm-hmm. That harkens back to the old fun times. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that would sit well with the rest of the DCU what, as it is now with everything happening and the final crisis is all doom and gloom. But I don't know. I, like, you know uh, Spider, I, like Spider-Girl over at Marvel, there's, there's a reason why a certain amount of people buy that book. It's because it makes them feel like 20 years ago. That's honestly, that's honestly why I like DC over Marvel right now is that, you know, outside of the, the event books, I'm not even counting those, but you, if you read, you know, Superman and Supergirl and JSA and JLA, they, they have more nostalgia for me from the comics that I read growing up than, than anyone else right now. And so, yeah, I I really enjoy DC. It it gives me that I feel like a kid again, and and they're good comics. It's not that they're yeah. it's not that they're written to to younger people. They but they do kind of have that you know uh, child's fascination uh, with them that I don't get in in a lot of other places. So yeah, that's why I'm you know that's why I love. DC right now and, and and really enjoy most of the books I'm reading from that company. I was uh, thumbing through the previews and thinking about the current pending price increase and how we all have said many times, three ninety nine. you know, what are we going to do? And I was thinking and I came to the conclusion that I probably would continue to buy DC books at the expense of everything else on my pull list. That was my point exactly. I, I, I probably would keep Superman and action and detective and Batman and justice league. And I'm trying to think of books that I would not want to read every month. Yeah. I, if they were still publishing it, I, I would keep blue beetle and I'd pay three ninety nine for booster gold. And I'm thinking, what would I rather read savage dragon or action comics? And I'm like, mm, that's a hard call, but I'd probably have to go with action comics. So when push comes to shove, I bet I will cut everything but the DC books at three ninety nine. Um, regular monthly books that you know, if it's it, if 
if Batman goes to three nine, I'm not paying three ninety nine uh, a month for Batman. Not not whenever you know the trade will be coming out, and I'll be able to get it for you know thirty five percent off whatever. Exactly. I, I'm I'm no, I I will be done with single issues. And but in a in a monthly serialized format, mm-hmm. there you go, David. There's my gift to you for the year. In in that format, I would pay three ninety nine for the DC books. I'd be hard pressed to pay three ninety nine for anything out of Marvel except Amazing Spider Man. Mm. I'm just the opposite. Yeah, you're paying I, I that pay, three three times a month though. Yeah, yeah. I would sure. pay three ninety nine for a lot of Marvel books. Just again, but it's but what you're saying, Vince, is is regardless of whether you're on the DC or the Marvel side, the point is, and I've been and I think the unfortunate byproduct of this is that people have a budget, regardless of whether or not it's it's a financial you know recession or what have you. People have a budget. And they have to start making choices. They're going to keep the books that mean the most to them, which are the ones that they've had history with. And it's going to mean less titles like the image titles we always praise and less titles like the indie stuff in the back of previews. People aren't going to take a flyer on it because they're going to say to themselves, eh, I can't, you know, I got to cut back. My, my main book is now. Right. Right. I got to get the man. Unless the indies, which is non Marvel, non DC, unless they try and keep the price. Three and a quarter, three fifty, maybe keep it at two. It would matter to me. Well, no, it won't matter to it won't matter to a lot of comic book fans that that won't buy it anyway. First of all, um, they won't buy it anyway. But in their mind, the lower price point will justify the the misconception in their head that it's a lesser product. Well, well, of course, it's it's two ninety nine or three twenty five. Whenever the books that I'm buying are three ninety nine because they're independent books and therefore not as good, so that is why they're cheaper. So why would I buy something even if it's cheaper if it's not as good? And that's well, that's I, kind I'm of a talking- damning thing to the indie guys though because they've for years been criticized for being more expensive than regular books, and people said, well, why would I pay more for an indie book? And the argument would be, well, because it costs more to produce an indie book because of the, the fixed costs. You can't defer them over a big readership. Yeah, but, but, but most most indie books now, and I'm talking, if you want to call Image, Dark Horse, IDW, Dynamite, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, most of those books are two ninety nine. I know there's some 350 books. I know there's even some 399 books out there, but most of them are in line price-wise with Marvel and DC. If they would all of a sudden, you know, hey, when Fell and Casanova dropped to one ninety nine, you didn't see, you know, I, I don't think that that led to, to huge sales on, on those books. And if they tow the line now, you know, we're going to have an interesting case study in um, Top Cow. Top, Top Cow is going to stay at two ninety nine. Hopefully, that doesn't mean that all the other image books are going up to 399 but <laughs> we'll have we'll have a very interesting case study in top cow books is if everybody else goes up to 399 and top cow stays at 299 are people going to rush to buy darkness and witchblade and whatever other series is coming out from top cow they should be buying them anyway yeah well i, I actually ch- chatted with philip sablick on on the forums about this um I told them I didn't think the 299 respectfully was going to do much for them, but I did say that they're doing two other things I think are helping a lot: uh, the, the the cheap first trades, and we've talked about that. You know, the Witchblade trades 499, 
the Darkness trade was solicited. It's coming out, I think, next month. It is also four ninety nine. But here's something that, that I did not know, which is unbelievable. I mean, it does show you that Topcat was trying to do things differently. So the Darkness trade that they're soliciting for four ninety nine is of the first six issues of the, the new Darkness series, which you know has been relatively a recent series. So apparently there are some people that have paid uh, three bucks an issue for those books and they're they're pissed they're saying well i just spent 18 bucks to support your book and now someone's buying those books for five not you know for five bucks i feel gypped well listen to what top cow is doing if people are you know upset about that you can send them back the six covers of your monthlies so you could you could rip off the six covers from your first six issues of darkness mm-hmm. mail them in like a proof of purchase and they will give you a 20 dollar credit to top cow to use online to buy anything you want so you could buy the five dollar trade, so you get the books back basically for five bucks, and you have fifteen bucks more to spend on anything else you want. Top cow. Now cool. that's a pretty radical move. That's awesome. And, and what's cool about it is they, you know, the head of marketing was talking about this, and he said, you know, we hear the complaints and we totally understand it. We want to be sensitive to it, but you know, if you're a collector, you know, and you're scoffing at what we're saying right now and saying, well, why would I mutilate my books? Then you really aren't shouldn't really be in the position to complain because you're not you're affording some value in the monthly issues in and of themselves as collectibles. But if you're really just pissed that you feel like you're, you, you wanted to read them and you're paying a lot more to read the stuff, then by all means, you should have no compunction about sending us the six covers back. Yeah. We'll send you the trade and you have 15 more bucks to spend on other top cow stuff. And that's, that's a really, to use an overused phrase out of the box way of doing things. And, and I, I think it's, it's very forward thinking and fantastic. And the fact that I think they're giving away what 80,000, it might be even more than that. It's, I think it's 80 to a hundred thousand issues. They're giving out in 2009 for free. And including that they're going to give away tens of thousands of copies of uh, Witchblade 125. And I think what darkness is it? What 75 or whatever the, the anniversary yeah, issue. Of, yeah. That's pretty cool stuff. I mean, that's the kind of thing I think that gets new readers because I know more than one person that have, that tried out that Witchblade book. It's because at DCBS, it was like two fifty for six issues and liked it enough that now they're reading Witchblade, you know, and paying yeah. full price. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, almost a, a newsstand mentality. How they used to have to strip the books and yeah. return them back for credit. That that's pretty cool to do that. I would I I would really like to see Top Cow develop some new properties. It seems like a really long time since they've come out with with new stuff. Hmm. You know, and well, that's maybe what the pilot seasons for. Yeah, but uh, have the pilot seasons have those survived? Well, Cyblade issue two ships tomorrow. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if they're flourishing, but yeah, I mean yeah. the book. The books are coming out. You know, right. they, they, they just picked up the Impaler series from from Image. Okay, okay. which has a new home at Topcom. <laughs> hey, numb nuts! This is Flint Lockjaw. Just listened to your your last recent podcast. I think it was thirty six or something. But just to let you know, um, you guys are talking about Frankenstein and how clever Morrison is of working in Paradise Lost or something like that. If you read the original Mary Shelley novel, Frankenstein does quote Paradise Lost a lot simply because um, there's parallels between his story and the story in Paradise Lost. In other words, uh, Frankenstein sees himself as Adam, created by God. In other words, Victor Frankenstein. And uh, also, the fall, his fall from grace as well that led him into a, a life of sin is similar to Adam's too. So there's lots of parallels in there. So Morrison wasn't clever in putting Paradise Lost in there. It's a given if you read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So just so you know, so Morrison ain't that fucking clever. All right? Take care. Bye. 
they put out one of my favorite miniseries uh, all time, and it's uh, Midnight Nation was was a top cow series, mm-hmm. and I would I would love to see them do some more some more you know maxi series like that. I, I um, it's one of the that's one of the books that got me back into comics was you know Straczynski you know, writing comics. Yeah, it was Joe's comics, man, and that's that's one of the that's one of the books that really really pushed me into comics hardcore after I had been away for a while. So you know, it's good stuff. Drawn by Action Comics, Gary Frank. Gary Frank, yes, yeah, <laughs> started. Hey, that's, that started a very long relationship between yeah. JMS and Gary Frank. You look all the the Supreme Power. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's, yeah was all Gary Frank. So that, I mean that I think that all goes back to Midnight Nation, which man, if you have not read it, that is an What was awesome that about? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Uh, I haven't read it. It is uh it's about a guy who basically his his life really hits the rocks, you know, loses the wife, loses his job, loses everything, and he as a result falls through the cracks. There are these, you know, kind of like cracks in reality when people stop caring about you and in your life just kind of falls apart you fall through these dimensional cracks and it's kind of like a another dimension and so he this happens to him and uh and he kind of finds this community of people you know homeless people and people that have you know just kind of fallen through the cracks and um uh, I think they're out in what L.A. and um, there are these uh, there are these creatures that that kind of hunt them, looking to kind of eat whatever's left of their souls. And it's been a long time since I've read this, so I'm mm-hmm. uh, definitely paraphrasing this. And he kind of starts out on this quest to walk across the country to New York to find the source of this and kind of win his soul back so he can get back to the real world. And and this woman from L.A. kind of partners up with him, and it's, it's 12 issues that is about their journey of going from L.A. across the country to New York where he can kind of battle for, battle for his soul. And and get back to the the dimension of the living. It's a, it's a great series. That sounds cool. I've never read it. Does, it either. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Read it. It's fun. It's al- very cool. It's almost like an inverse fables. How the more people believe in each fables, the more powerful they get. This is kind of like the opposite. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. As very people, cool. yeah, stop caring about you and stop noticing you, you slip, and. Um, it gets into some other stuff. Apparently, he's not the first person to go on this on this journey. Apparently, it's happened many, many times before, and no one has ever successfully um, uh, finished the quest to uh, to win their souls back. And you know, there's you know stories of sacrifice and all sorts of neat stuff. But uh, there, it was it was at a time when. Uh, uh, when Top Shelf and a lot of the companies were doing zero issues, so there's actually, in addition to the twelve issue series, I think there's a zero issue in there that has just kind of an added in, shoehorned in story that takes place during their um, during their their quest. So there's also, I think, a Wizard Half issue. I, I won the series yeah. on an eBay auction a couple of years ago, and it's still buried in a box. But yeah, whenever Vince said. Cam Smith earlier inking Ed McGinnis, I think of 
even though he's Action Comics Gary Frank, I remember him on Peter David's Hulk when Ooh, yeah. by Cam Smith, and I thought those two made a made a great team. Cam Smith also he uh, he recently inked uh, Munez on uh, the Last Defenders, which he just seems to have a knack for those those big guys like Superman, like Hulk, and and the characters that were in that many. He, I, I like his style, and he does fit certain people very well. And I don't see him too often on Ed McGinnis. So I'll have to check this book out. But the uh, the Hulk was great. But Chris is right about the uh, the Joe's comic stuff because not only uh, Midnight Nations, but Rising Stars was also one of the titles. Yep, some of the some of the best twelve issues of a twenty four issue mm-hmm. Axie series I've ever read. God, I've, I I feel bad. I've never I haven't read any of those books. Oh, you you wow. would love the first love the first half of rising stars it is it's one that that kind of got plagued by um artist changes after what the first 12 issues david i think so and and then there were kind of a on again off again uh artist and irregular publishing schedule but the first 12 issues are awesome awesome comics and then you know it hits hits some lulls and i think it, it, it was kind of the, as I remember it, the first comic that started to give um, Straczynski the start hot, finish cold reputation that he kind of developed for a while. So, okay. absolutely amazing start and, and a lukewarm finish to the series. But but Midnight Nation, twelve issues of just awesome comics. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, good, good Rising stuff. Stars, the first trade mm-hmm. I just found for eight fifty. <laughs> including shipping, uh, which is a we're going to have to start charging those guys. Seriously, fifty-seven percent discount. I might have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first twelve issues are fantastic. Ooh, that's cool. Who, David? Who was the artist on the? the it varies. Actually, Ken Lashley was. Uh, it, it did look very top cowy. Um, very top cow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken Lashley. Ken Lau. Ken. Oh. Um, Cow, uh, K U Chow, Cha. See K E U. S name C H A. A E I O U. Sometimes why? Oh, I'm gonna have to sample silent. that. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was hot. I'm gonna have to look for those. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very top cow looking, but you know, I didn't mind it. It was uh, uh, kind of the you know the end of the uh, '90s image. Um, you know, era uh, of art, which actually you know, though, Vince, you'll love it. You know who closed the series out? Who that? Brent Anderson. Ooh, yeah. Sign, sign me the hell up. I gotta yeah. get that. Yeah, you did. Did you like his um, uh, Supreme Power series? Gary Franks uh, and Jam. Oh well, Straczynski. The, the, yeah, yeah. The yeah, story. The, the, did you like guys? Did you read Supreme Power? Yes. No. Yes. Did you like it? I did. Then I think you like Rising Stars. Would you agree, David? Rising Stars, I haven't read. Oh, you haven't? Oh, wow. No, I haven't. Wow. That, you, no one here has read Rising, Rising Stars? Can't say that I have. Wow, no. that was like the hot book. That was the one. Was. Seriously, yeah. whenever, I was, whenever I was getting back into the, into the comic scene, it was like, oh, you got to read this. This is, the, this is the new hotness. I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And you <laughs> actually, actually won, won most of it on, on eBay. And so I've got, yeah, but it's like the you know, fucking foil covers and that, that bullshit. Uh, yeah. I thought Ultimate Power was awesome. Yeah, you would. The, uh, <laughs> no, Stuart yeah, like, shit. Yeah. 
Stuart Inelman did an issue? The, yeah, of Rising Stars, yeah. Really? Yep. I'm going to go back and look at some of these. Yeah. I thought I thought I thought uh um Next Wave was his first stuff. Oh god no, dude. Joking. Oh, no, okay. Dude. We got we got kind of a um an interesting email from him after uh after I think uh, an episode of AC where we were talking about Inelman and Sal I think had had um mistakenly uh and it was just in how it came out. He knew that that's wasn't the case, but had talked mm-hmm. about, you know, Inelman is one being one of his favorite new artists. Well, and I what, I, well, I think what Sal was saying was it was new to him. Is oh, and I'm okay. trying to think back. It was one of his new favorite artists, is what he was trying to it's say. Like someone who would say Mad Fraction is their favorite new writer. Yeah, even yeah, though it's, they, okay. it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying he's my new favorite writer, kind of thing, and uh, and I think someone who listened to the show. Like told Stuart Inman that, and he like emailed <laughs> emailed the show. He's like, I've actually been around for a while, so it was a little yeah. weird. <laughs> Damn. Hi, Vince, uh, David, Wood, and um, Chris is Matt Burden again. Not a funny story. <laughs> um, I'm only calling um, for a second time because I've literally just come back from the comic shop. Um, firstly. Uh, I've only just picked up the Wizards of Oz. Thank you, Scotty Young. Perfect. Um, and now my daughter's going to come in and make some noises. But I also found um, inside my comics um, a statement from the shop, so I figured I'd share that with you. With effect, from Monday the 8th of December, the price of... Hey, there's some seasonal music. The price of comics and graphic novels will increase. These price rises have been determined by our comic distributor and will affect the whole of the UK comic industry. Due to the continuing decline of the dollar against the pound and the increased freight costs from America, our distributor has felt it necessary to implement these price changes. Given the current financial climate we all face, we sincerely wish our prices could remain the same. However, this is the first time in 10 years that our prices have risen and we have no alternative but to endure, sorry, but to adhere to them. In view of these circumstances, you may wish to revise your subscription titles with us, and we urge you to do so as soon as possible. We sincerely hope that you still feel able to continue to support the comic book industry and ourselves, and uh, assure you that our dedication to ensure you receive a wide range of quality product will continue as always. Yours sincerely, uh, A Place in Space. Sad but true. Um, but hey, I picked up um, GI Joe Zero for seventy-five pence today. So there you go. Anyway, I thought it was a point of interest. Um, take care. Bye bye. Yeah. Hey Chris, you got another pretty interesting email, didn't you? Oh hey yeah. Um, this is one that was uh, that was sent to us to talk about on AC, but I figured I would get your guys's uh, input as well on the. Um, Give me one second. All right. This is from uh, from Robert Jackson, and uh, basically said that uh, I'm going to paraphrase the the beginning here. He's in his early 40s and had collected in the uh, in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Stopped 
uh, collecting and then has gotten back into comics in the last couple years. Um, but uh, but there's something that's been bugging me. He wants to hear our response. It was, what do you do with your comics after you finish reading them? Back in the day, you kept them forever in long boxes as quote-unquote collectibles. Well, 30 years later, I still have about 4,000 comics in boxes, most of which are not worth much. Um, they take up a lot of space and are not even great stories. Uh, he says he has the complete Dazzler series. What was I thinking? Uh, now I'm buying <laughs> floppies again and Smart some man. crates, but uh, do not want to keep everything forever. I like the Dazzler series too. Me too. More. Um, I hate to just toss them like an old newspaper. Uh, years ago, you kept them because monthlies were not only a source of the stories, but uh, they're going to be valuable. Uh, now everything good is reprinted in trades or collected editions. I find that I buy the trades or the hardbacks of collected series that I enjoy after reading the floppies, but then I still have all the single issues. Uh, I've asked everyone I know in comics, multiple uh, LCSs, etc., this question and searched online. It seems that even though most people do not think that comics are as collectible as before, they still keep them in long boxes, bagged and bored. What, so basically he's asking us, what do we do after we buy our single issues of comics? And what is our solution to his problem? Wow. I do not keep my comics, uh, as he said, I did used to keep them bagged and boarded in uh, long boxes. I no longer do that. Uh, I keep them bagged and boarded in drawer boxes, but <laughs> that's that's about the only difference. I, I I'm still I, I wish I could say I had a better answer for you, but I I have uh, box upon box upon box, and uh, maybe the only difference now is that I'm a, probably a little less um, insane about putting them in uh, alphabetical order um, immediately, and uh, and they they just pile up in boxes, and every now and then I'll 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 get the urge to sort them out in some regard, but for the most part, I do the same thing with them that I did 10, 20 years ago. Well, my method of storing my books has changed drastically. As you all know, I am the patron saint of Mylar. And if there, there are, if, if you can, are even the slightest bit concerned with the longevity of your floppies, ooh, I lost David, it, your, your single issues, you need to bag and board them in inert mylar because polypropylene is going to leach the color out of the covers it's going to brown the interior pages polypropylene is bad there are guys that will swear by it and say oh but it's cheap i don't care if they gave you the polypropylene bags for free you are destroying your comics if you put them in regular plastic bags you got to put them in mylar but that said i have moved away from that and now i do not store my my books in anything I'm going to have them all library-bound. Uh-huh. No, really. All those books that have been so painstakingly carried right, exactly. in Mylar. You're so there's going to be a great sale on Mylar. And you know, I mean, anybody who has ever priced Mylar, that shit is expensive. Oh, yeah. But in my opinion, what it does, it not only preserves the book, but it traps it in a prison because now I can't read it anymore. And with the exception of my Silver Age books, I'm going to have everything right across the board library bound because I want to read those stories again and I can't if I have to open up X amount of Mylar bags carefully take the book out read it put it back in the Mylar bag no it's just it it seems like a a useless pursuit to me so I'm just going to have everything 
library bound, put it on the shelf. I can refer to it whenever I want. I can go back up there, get a, a, a 25 issue chunk of Walt Simonson's Thor, pull it off the, the shelf and just sit down and read it. So that's the yep. route that I'm taking. I'm just no more bags and boards for me. None. God. It, 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 it does make sense if you care, but if you don't care and you just want to read these things, that's bags are not the way to go. No, I don't, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a lot of, uh, bags and boards. I, I kind of, well, I mean, obviously I don't throw anything away as evidenced by the reading of a 1982 <laughs> interview, but. But that's good. I that's don't, a good way to be. Well, yeah, I don't, so even I, though. I have, the, I have this vision of David's house being just filled with piles and piles of newspapers. It's Kevin Spacey's apartment <laughs> from seven. The, uh. The, What's in the box? And, and that's and, and a, a spoiler for anybody who didn't know who John Doe was. It's you know it'll say at the end of the movie that Kevin Spacey's in it. Um, John you know, Doe, he I, sings for X. He just he <laughs> just there's just I mean I have I have comics piled up on a bookcase. I have comics in in um, the boxes that paper comes in uh i have other cabinets where where there's some comics scrolled away so yeah they're they're really everything's in sort of a disarray right now i need to i'm getting everything into one corner of the room so that i can open drawers and and boxes and and find out um damn nobody bit on the open drawers the uh so i can find out what i have what i may be missing because i love back issue bin diving and and uh so i'm glad other people keep their single issues around i just i i mean it sucks being disorganized right now renee has been uh she wants to read the storm miniseries that came out a couple of years ago and which was the 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 prelude to uh to aurora and and to Charles' wedding and i found that today and and she's been reading it and i keep hearing every so is that the, she, the dodson one no this was uh this was drawn by david yarden but it was it has covers by uh, mike mayhew do you have the Dodson miniseries? No. Yeah, now you do. Okay, well, uh, she's she's not a big fan of Storm to begin with. Even I mean, this is, goes back years before even Halle Berry killed the character. But every so often throughout the day, I've been hearing like cursing and and things of that nature because she's not really enjoying the book. So, and which I'm sure will end up being talked about on a podcast in the near future. However, I don't have too many bags and boards anymore. I still keep everything. I don't. Um, there are some things that I probably would like to see bound. So eventually, I may go the same route Vince is taking. But right now, I just have crap all over the place. I'm not getting rid of anything. I uh, I didn't know if I was ever going to have anybody to hand these things down to. And with my brother having two girls, I don't see they probably would be interested. But it's not something that I can. I'm not getting rid of it on my own and. I, I don't know what's going to happen to stuff, but I'm still I'm still keeping everything, and I'm still mostly a single issues guy. I do get some things in the collections, but for the most part, I just keep doing what I've been doing for the past almost thirty years. So, mm-hmm. right, and and back to bags, it's it's better to not bag at all than it is to use poly bags. Your books will last longer in open air than they will with that highly acidic polypropylene touching both sides of it. So if 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 anybody's on the fence about bagging to begin with, you're better off just leaving them alone than putting them in poly bags. There you go. Since we're always throwing names out there as far as websites and the like, Vince, is there any certain site 
whether it's it's Bill Cole Enterprises or is there any place people should look? Where have you found the cheapest? I used to get my bags from Bill Cole, okay, ex- exclusively. But then his partner, I guess, or he was in business with E Gerber at one time, or they were associated in some way, and E Gerber split. And started making his own bags, and he got the license to use the MyLights name, and Bill yeah. Cole uses uses Arc Lights or something like that. E Gerber is actually cheaper. Mm-hmm. That's why than, than, than yeah. Bill Close. Yeah, you know there there are some guys that are annoyed with the crinkle, or because it's totally different than holding a a a poly bag. Poly bags make no sound at all, and they're waxy or to the touch. They're they're very uh, uh, a Mylar bag will crinkle like. Geez, I don't even know how to what what to compare it to. It's like the the wrapping around a gift basket, you know that crinkly yeah. wrapping that they put. That's what a mylar bag sounds like, but it's inert. There are no binders in it at all, like a poly bag. That's where the acid comes from in the poly bag. The binder that they use to adhere those molecules of plastic together has is has a high pH content, and once that touches your book you may not see it in a year but if you take a a book that's been bagged in poly that maybe for like five years there's actually hazing on the inside of the bag where the color from the paper touched it it's 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 leaching the color right off the 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 paper of your book so no poly bags suck but yeah e gerber or um it's, What's it's that? the little sounds of all of my comic books screaming. <laughs> little, itty bitty little screams right now. That's <laughs> right. Yes. You're suffocating. You're suffocating your books, and you're 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 stripping them of their color. But that's okay because you're going to bind them. That's what you're going to do. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I, it's going to be something I, that you will love forever. I probably have. I could count them on on both hands. Books that I wouldn't bind because they have value that that I right. wouldn't want to have you know have them basically chopped up and, and bound into a into a hardback. Um, but beyond those twenty, it's no. Nah, I would rather have them, like Vince said, on a shelf, readily accessible. <clears throat> that if I want to read, you know, the Jeff Johns avengers that he did well yeah here's here's that run of avengers and do them in in you know 25 um you know batch runs the my problem is that i've got a lot of um a lot of comics where i may have read a series for five issues or for you know 10 issues that i wouldn't you know i'm not gonna have something bound if it was five issues you know, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, those those will stay in in boxes. But uh, See, I was thinking about that. If there's anything I can get, I would say probably eighteen to twenty four issues. Yeah, I'll have it bound. Yeah. And don't forget, mycomicshop.com. You can go on there and pick up those the issues that you're missing for like dirt cheap. If if it's not a very popular series, or you know, it's not a a big dollar book, obviously. Yeah, but but, I was thinking about what like, you were saying yeah, about the yeah, but like Avengers, I'm not gonna go buy the rest of the Chuck Austin written right. Avengers, <laughs> so I can get enough. Why not you know, to get the the, the Jeff John stuff? <laughs> so why not? It's still but it's you, still clipable art. <laughs> you can bind thematically though. Like say I had. You know the Cockrum Nightcrawler miniseries. I'd bind that with the Iceman, Iceman miniseries, Beast. or yeah, the Beast that uh, Beauty Rip and the Beast thing that, that came out. Yeah, 
Oh, I really dislike Wolverine and Kitty Pride for some reason. That I'm series just, I know. Probably the art. Bleh. Yeah, could have been. Yeah. But like, I would bind it with Wolverine and Kitty Pride, just like the X-Men miniseries, mm-hmm. and just put, bind it in one volume. And I was thinking about that, about what would I do if I didn't have all the issues. You bind your Wong Shot miniseries? Oh, I have two copies. Hey, oh, well, there you go. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, way back when I saw Art Adams, I said, this there dude go. is going places. Yeah, I love that guy. They I actually thought I bought cover. three. Yeah, they just put Did that they really? Yeah, they just yeah, uh, three hard cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think up until a certain point, I have two or three copies of everything that Art Adams ever did, like the Gumby Summer Fun special. I have like three of that. The The New Mutants annuals that he used to do, I have multiple copies of those. God, I love those yeah. annuals. Oh, my God, they're great. Yeah. So good. So good. Thanks, babies. I read an X book that wasn't um, a pile of shit last one. The C.B. Sobolski. Oh, X and Furnace? Yeah. Nice. It's the, the, yeah, the Wolf series. Sal actually uh, recommended it to me, and it's, uh, it was really good. It read, Wait it, a minute. it read like one of those old, uh, New Mutants annuals. Yep. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's a magic story. It, it had very Alaska. much, uh, had a great New Mutants feel to it. It was great. Really enjoyed it. But that was three ninety nine, wasn't it? You Uh-oh. said he read it. I said I read oh, it. Yeah. it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was looking at that too, and I thought, man, I would so like to buy this. It's, it's a good. Then so I saw it's the trade price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going to buy the trade. Anything Belasco or Magic, I'm on that. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Vince, did you read? Were you reading the um, the Young X Men when when uh, Scotty was was doing the art? Oh yeah. Okay. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Because this is X pretty much picks up. Yeah, this picks up right after that. So. Scotty, who may have told Sal to check it out okay. because it was it was coming kind of off the heels of the stuff that he was doing with uh, with Yost on New X Men. Now I have a question cool. about the binding, though. I mean, I, I think it's cool in concept, and I actually have a bound uh, collection of fifty two, uh, which I won um, nice. at the yeah. CGS uh, three hundred. That was a, a prize, I guess, and I won it. It was pretty, pretty damn cool. Um, it looks great, but I mean, the one thing I have to say though is it's not exactly an inexpensive process to do what you're saying, Vince. No, I mean, it's the, more expensive to bind than it is to bind. Yeah, I mean, it's $15 for the most basic library binding. And if you mm-hmm. start adding, and I'm not saying it's not worth it, but I look at it more like there are things that I would like to bind that I'd love to have as collections, but I certainly don't look at it something archival for, you know, I'm kind of more oh, no. with Chris's line in that, you know, I have, I don't know, I probably have 16, 18,000 comics. So I, I'd probably say, you know, I mean, Twelve, fourteen thousand of those. I have no interest in spending twenty to twenty-five dollars per, you know, yeah. per twelve to fifteen issues to bind. I mean, I don't, you know, that just doesn't. Right. Yeah. But you have no interest in them now. But what? What say if you got an old, small run of Avengers bound that you haven't read in in fifteen, twenty years, and you go back yeah. and because it's bound, you you actually had the opportunity to read it, and you're like, damn, this you know, it's tough. You know, because... this wasn't so bad. Yeah, I mean, I, it's stuff I, I can't get that collector out of me though. Like I, yeah, I look at my, 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 my run on Avengers and I say hey, they're too valuable. I can't, I can't destroy them by binding them. That's in my mind. That's what I'm telling myself. You know, yeah. like where but, is yeah. I've killed that kid a long at what, time at ago. What point do and this is kind of you know the collector thing that you'll get mm-hmm. to probably is at what point do the Avengers single issues stop being more than cover price? You know, it's it's 
Yeah. Um, well, no, you know, you're exactly the, right, Chris. As I think about things like, I mean, I don't know, um, anything that's currently coming out, I, I actually have been thinking a lot about bonding some of it, right? But, you know, but damn if I'm not going to bind Avengers 200 through 250. You know what I mean? Like, it's too, even like even like Gilgamesh issue, I'm not, I'm not binding because to me it's still got collector's value in my mind because it you know it was tw- i bought it 20 years ago you know what i mean i mean and it's yeah. it's irrational yeah. and i know it's well you know but I, but i could see you know it's if you have avengers number one through you know uh, 250 to say hey you know what i'm gonna keep that in in single issues and that's mm-hmm. you know in your head that is yeah. a complete thing but yeah to have like 251 to current library bound it's like yeah because those i'm going to go back and read and probably what avengers one through a hundred you can probably get Mm -hmm. in what avengers essentials right your masterworks too yeah well right i mean that's i mean things like the and i think marvel's been doing i I love dc absolutes i think the packaging is gorgeous on some of them i mean i love my watchmen absolute i love the new frontier absolute so i I, this is not i'm not damning dc with my praise of marvel here but i the Marvel omnibuses, I, I love them for that exact reason. I mean, I have, as I'm sure you guys probably do too. I mean, I have every, you know, Claremont issue of. I mean, I have every X Men issue from you know '94 up, including Giant Size One, um, in really really high grade. So I would never find them. Obviously, it would be silly to do so because of their resale value. But at the same point in time, like you said, I also like to have those stories handy to read. So I love yeah. I, I love those omnibuses. I mean that's why I buy most of the. I mean I love that I have the first forty issues of the Hulk that I can read. I love that well, I sure. have. And, and if you've got if you've got Giant Size One and ninety four, actually if you have you know those X Men issues from ninety four to probably what into the mid you know one twenties one thirties, not only are you not going to have them bound, you're probably not going to take them out and read them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you, you are, you're offered the opportunity to, to have it both ways, mm-hmm. right? You so I guess don't. the binding would be good for things that we're never going to see collected in that format, right? And yeah. top dollar books, like you said, it's nuts to bind those. Mm-hmm. I, I, who would ever bind fans. Hulk? No, I'm not nuts enough to <laughs> bind a, uh, my run of Hulk, including issue what is it 181? Yeah, you know that would that would be very foolish to bind that. Indeed, sure. yes, absolutely, right. Yeah. I like the 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 omnibus, but um, you know, I hope that I hope that we're not starting to see the beginning of a trend where, you know, I'm I'm still pretty torqued off about the uh, Secret Wars omnibus. Yeah, for them to put a yeah. hundred dollar price tag on that was pretty silly. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, was was not very friendly. So no, was, especially when you can buy the single issues for less than a quarter the price of that. Well, oh, yeah. by their own, by their own product that they sell, you can probably go and if you've got the membership, you can go read it online for 4.99 a month, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm looking on my comic shop right now, you could buy every issue of The First Secret Wars in very fine or better for, let's see, 6. The first issue 6 bucks. The every other issue is 2.40. 2 yeah, that seems to be a popular price with the yeah. two forty so. and and a dollar forty dollar forty nine mm. or something like that. Yeah, so you're yeah. so you can I buy love my about the same price that they put out the trade paperback, which is well, thirty. But bucks. here's where they get you though. See, this is why this is where they get you. You know why it's they're justifying that price, and actually why you have to be careful because it's stupid, and it gets back to us stupid ass collectors, and I'm guilty of it too. What what I just said is actually not true because 
Secret Wars number eight, which of course is the first appearance of the black costume, <laughs> is in very fine on my comic shop, who's very fair with their prices, $41.50. Oh my god. And there's a freaking couple million of those printed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah. that's why, if you want, it's if actually, you want to, it's technically, it's not the first appearance of the black costume wood. It's the explanation of it's the origin <laughs> of the black costume. Because um, what was it? Was it Web of Spider Man that yeah, it appeared up, in right. first? That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's time, dudes. We are we are almost pushing two hours here. <laughs> oh, hey, can I can yeah. I throw out a plea to the? Um, to the the eleven o'clock listenership, because somebody yeah, you, came through big time for me um, the last time that I complained about not being able to find something <laughs> out there. Remember, see I you, told, you you always ask to, to to if you can do something. You are the grand poobah of comics. Oh, this podcasting. is your show. That's you true. do you, you do what the hell you want to do. This is you and just, you and David, and just let Wood no, and I it's not. tag along. It's it's all of us, baby. <laughs> Four Musketeers, so, go ahead. If you remember a few months back, I was talking about JLA Avengers and not being able to find the um, the the deluxe edition, the big slipcase hardcover mm-hmm. uh, DC Absolute edition, except on eBay where it was going for over a hundred bucks and blah blah blah. Well, one of our listeners who I I can't remember who it was, uh, but sent me a PM on the um, uh, on the forum. So so thank you, and I'll I'll try and. Uh, uh, mention them next show but um showed me uh a retailer on the internet that had it and actually below cover price so i got the the jla avengers big deluxe hardcover edition and and got it below retail so that was awesome i've recently started picking up the stray bullets hardcovers which there are four (laughs) of them and i have the first two I cannot find volume three or volume four to save my life. So if anybody out there knows where I can find the Stray Bullets hardcovers volume three and volume four that at a price that isn't going to kill me, please let me know. Wow. This past Wizard World Chicago, there was a vendor there with Stray Bullets one to four, all the hardcovers. Yeah. I don't know what he, I don't know what he wanted for him, but yeah. they were there. See, it's just wrong time, wrong place. You know, that's what I'm what I'm looking for. My my mission for the next convention I go to, which unfortunately will probably be Chicago, um, is I wanna I wanna find um, cheap editions for the Lone Wolf and Cub Digest so I can finish that collection out, and I wanna find the rest of the Stray Bullets hardcovers. Cool. Respect. It warms my heart that you're on a search for manga. Yeah, but it reads front to back. And it's actually um, the dialogue pretty good, so I'm giving it a shot. That Masamune Shiro stuff is gonna just light up your life. Wait, I can't wait to to read it. Okay, I've got the first two volumes. Should be uh, waiting for me at work tomorrow. Yeah, Appleseed's awesome. All right, guys, what are we gonna say? uh, We gonna do any uh, next week? Are we gonna do any kind of year in review with our little spin on anything like that? We're gonna maybe. Well, the the dudes on the forum, yeah, it's going crazy on the forum, yeah. Oh, there go forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. dot com. They are compiling a bunch of lists. I think it's uh, backwards, Dave. That's Helman the thing. Am I right? Yes, yes, backwards, Dave. He's got a poll. There's like what eighteen, nineteen different polls you can you can vote in, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Mark Buckingham is is creeping up on best artist, which is really cool. That is cool. Mm. 
Very cool. But uh, so go to our forum, vote on them, and yeah, I guess next week maybe we can read them. My on only, the air, right? my only problem with with the whole um, thing at the forum, and I love that it's happening, is I hate calling things best favorite. Oh, okay, yeah, favorite. Okay, good point. Best, you know, it's like works for me. You know what I mean? It's just a so maybe bad. maybe we could read the forum. We could go through the the winners of the forum, and then maybe throw in our two cents if we have a, you know, yeah. who we might have chosen. That's good. We won't read the list of all the nominations because right, right. we'll give uh, caters an aneurysm. But yeah, I think the, the, Tom, the final Tom, tally. Tom, Tom just decided which episode he's not going to listen to in the future. <laughs> hey, and He'll uh, be I'll throw studying magic. I'll throw a few things out to you guys uh, for we can either table this to the forums this week, or we can we can talk about it next week if we have time, or maybe the following week if we do this awards thing. But uh, number one. I am finally, I think, ready to read some Asbats. Never read it. Never read one comic oh. with the guy in it before. I used to think he was just a, a joke of the 90s, but it seems like there was probably some pretty decent reading. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for, for cheap back issues. So if you guys have any thoughts as to a certain run, whether it be the first 10 issues, first 20, you know, some certain... Um, I'm all ears as to what, what segment of the As comics you think I should give a try. And Just read the, uh, Sword of Ezreal. The original four issue oh, was it four? Nothing else. It's all. Oh no, the other the other series is is good. I think it was Barry Kitson too who drew that book for a long time, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, the series is very good. It won but it went a hundred issues, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Can you believe that? Okay. And the other thing is, um, that's a Den- <laughs> that's a Denny O'Neill character, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Denny uh, love to hear your guys' thoughts. We've been joking about the Northlanders thing, which on the forums, you guys, those of those people who don't frequent the forums, there's been a little discussion about my perspective on Northlanders, which is Brian Wood's Viking series, but we'll leave that be for now. But I also just received for my birthday the extremely beautiful and well-put-together local hardcover, um, oh, yeah. which I just read this week and uh, have some very uh, strong opinions of as well. So I, I'm curious to know if, uh, if, if you guys uh, or anyone listening – if you've read it and what you think of it, because uh, I, okay. I'd like to discuss it. I love All right. both. I think there's a little bit of difference between uh, hearing your viewpoint about Northlanders on the forum and thinking you're freaking insane, but <laughs> let's not... <laughs> we, we won't get into the but, niggly. Yeah, let's, let's, let's debate Northlanders uh, next week. I think, I think it, it bears some debate, and, and I'll just say that, that oh. I when I first read it in singles i i think mm-hmm. i got the first two issues and i was like yeah i had no idea what brian wood was trying to do didn't get it thought it was um quite frankly not very good and then uh mark at dark tower turned me on to the trade he's like no take the trade read it if you don't like it bring them back and i'll let you trade it in for whatever you want and reading the first trade i got into it and loved it Totally, totally changed the way I felt about the book. Ah, cool. Something to look forward to then. Mm-hmm. And I can almost hear Freaky Tiki saying, See, you can't do that with an online comics retailer, can you? No. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, actually, one, two things about Azrael. One of my favorite Azrael stories is Azrael Ash. Okay. Really? Yeah. Which, also written by Denny O'Neill. And we all know who... 99% of the time, well, back when he was still at Marvel anyway, the person who would normally ink Joe Quesada did not ink Batman, sort of Ezra. Sort of Ezra. 
Who did? Was wait, wait, wait. I can see it in my head. Uh-huh. La, la, la. Especially on the second issue cover. Uh, it wasn't Terry Austin. No. It was, um, no, I don't know. Kevin Nolan. Oh, over oh, Okay. And that's all right. Yeah, but it, it's gorgeous. It's right? still, oh, yeah. Who, by the way, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe Rubenstein, who we've talked about a bit of late, uh, has said many times he thinks is the best in the business. And mighty wow. talented. Mm-hmm. High praise. All right, let's get out of here. Go on. <laughs> yes. Happy Read new- Razzle. No, don't. Well, no, read Razzle. Don't listen to him. He's not. Don't out? listen to I've, him. I've read the first two issues. Yeah, exactly. There's, exactly. You know, there's three out. There's oh, okay. Three out, huh. so. Wait till 2022 when he's ready to put out a nice collected hardcover. Don't don't listen to him. Read Razzle. Read Razzle. Go ahead. Oh, it'll Vince. razzle dazzle you. Vince. What? Guess who? Yes. Guess who drew Immortal Iron Fist number twenty one? I don't know. Timothy Green. Really? Yeah. Who drew your Star Lord mini? Am I going to have to buy that now? It it seems to just be the one issue, so... Yeah. Uh, I'm getting the omnibus anyway. Read Wolverine, so. if you're not. It's, Ooh. it's awesome. Yeah, I'm the crazy one. Old Man, <laughs> dude, old man Logan is awesome. Yeah, no, Stop it. Okay. David, you David, like Reed, say... <laughs> David, not liking it? I'm not. Welcome <laughs> to the six-hour return of 11 o'clock comics. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. No, you didn't, you didn't say read something. Oh, Chris, read Ghost Rider. Read, uh, Ghost Rider? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Read uh, BPRD, and John Severin can still draw like a motherfucker. Oh, my God. I saw that. It is. I, well, I didn't. I saw it because I own it. It's amazing. He's still and got you know it. how old he is? He's like 87 years old. It's not, not, as, not as old as his, uh, as his older sister, who uh, is a pretty darn good colorist. Right. Truth, truth. God bless John and Marie Severin. Yep. Ah, folks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Merry New Year, everyone. Assalamu alaikum.